Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factor, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Ding. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Nonprofit Hero Factory. I love having experts on every single week to not only share information with you guys about how to do better marketing and communications and fundraising and make better use of technology. I also love it because a lot of times I get to learn from them what their ideas and their strategies are. And we have some great conversations around the subject today. It's a particularly interesting episode for me because while I've been aware of this concept for many, many years now, of course, I have never actually personally delved into corporate sponsorships and how to set those up with corporations, perhaps in the area or national corporations for a nonprofit. I know how to market them. I've done that many times, but I've never actually been on the on the back end of things as the initial negotiations even happen. So today I'm excited to have Heather Nelson on the show. Heather is the president and lead consultant at Bridge Raise. She is an MBA and a CFRE. Heather is a corporate partnership and sponsorship specialist who leads her own boutique consulting firm, Bridge Raise, as I just said, which focuses exclusively on raising money from companies for nonprofits. And Heather has developed an extensive following of fundraisers who want to join her in raising money based on building relationships and impactful partnerships, which I think is key. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot in the episode today. Heather describes her superpower as building aligned relationship-based partnerships between nonprofits and companies and really seeing and believing in the value that nonprofits can bring to those partnerships. With that, let me bring Heather onto the show. Hi, Hi. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me today. It's awesome to have you on. I'm really excited to learn from you today. Uh, Before we do, though, uh, you just heard me read off your bio, and it is really impressive already. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you? What's your story, Heather? Uh, Well, I'll start with saying I'm Canadian. I'm based based in Canada, and I um, have been in the nonprofit sector my whole career, which I feel puts me in a bit of a unicorn position. Um, I did start in programming and working um, on the programming side in in international development organizations and a few other organizations. And then I went and got my business degree and came out of that really wanting to work on the revenue side, business development and fundraising. And so uh, I've I've been doing that ever since. And most recently, Prior to starting my my own consultancy, I worked at Food Banks Canada, which is uh, the national um, food uh, uh, food bank association here, um, and we focused entirely on corporate partnerships. So that was where I really um, got to flex that muscle and practice things I'd learned at, at business school and throughout my career, um, which I've now applied to Bridge Raise, which has been around for five years, and we've been working with nonprofits um, of all sizes on their corporate pro- programs. That's very cool. You know, I too started out in programming, but mine was in uh, C, C++, Lisp. <laughs> right. The other thing. kind of programming. The yeah. other kind of programming. It always catches me off guard for just a second. Right. My brain has to turn. No, no. We're talking about nonprofit programs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Heather, tell me, what are you seeing out there? What's going on in the world of corporate sponsorships and uh, nonprofit uh, development? 
I know that things in finance in general have been changing a lot over the last couple of years, uh, shifting alignments, shifting resources. What's happening specifically from your point of view? You know, I'm so happy you asked because, well, first I'm going to start with, I really like using the word partnership instead of sponsorship. And one of the reasons is to highlight one of the changes that we're seeing that I believe that that which is very good for nonprofits. We're seeing the evolution away from either a very philanthropic and donation-based or a very transactional, purely marketing-based um, scenario to this place in the middle, right? And um, so I like calling using the word partnership because it does have some elements of both of these things in it. And that is an emerging priority amongst um, amongst this sector. We're seeing that happen. It's becoming more and more pronounced that companies are looking for certain things from the nonprofit that extend beyond just doing good in the world, but include doing good in the world. Um, we also have seen, obviously, with the move to so to remote working that we've seen happen over the last year, the influence of virtual marketing, um, virtual events, uh, virtual connections between employees and their companies. I mean, that has heavily influenced um, how corporate partnership looks. Uh, so that's been a big shift that we've really had to adjust to in the space of corporate partnership. Uh, and, you know, and I think the last one I would like to highlight is I think a lot of people felt that um, when the pandemic started, that maybe there wouldn't be the funding that there had been. And we didn't see that. We've seen actually companies be more and more, more, and more generous um, recently than maybe ever before. Uh, they've leaned into their marketing uh, to do good in the world. They've they've accessed employees in, in different ways. And so we've actually seen companies um, do at least as much as they had before, and many do more. You know, of course, there is exceptions. There is companies that, that, that have not been able to do that. But where they have been able to, we've seen them do it. And I think that has led to, you know, a, at least a certain amount of optimism around what is possible, which, which I really um, appreciate. That's wonderful to hear. I was actually going to ask you, has it been increasing or decreasing? Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. organizations. Some of business, each, right? Yeah, some of some each. Of, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't it's be surprised not all bad. I wouldn't be surprised if it mirrors the overall uh, donor and donation landscape uh, where right. some things have declined, but overall uh, things have gone up. Um, mm -hmm. And I definitely want to get into all of the reasons why uh, the organizations, the businesses are doing it. And especially at this time, there might be some additional reasons. But before we get there, I'm wondering, what does it look like? How, how are nonprofits creating these corporate partnerships, uh, as it were, what does it look like when it's successful, when it's done right? Uh, well, I mean, I think from my point of view, I mean, there's a bit of a personal question and a bit of a factual part, I think, to that. But when, when I, yeah, when, from my point of view, when it's done right, there is a strong alignment on the reason for the partnership. It could be alignment on a, on a value between the company and the nonprofit. It could be an impact that they both want to have. Um, but there's some really core reason why they're partnered together. And then when it's done well, that extends into um, there being benefits that the nonprofit provides and in return, an investment that is proportional to that um, relationship that is given by the company. Right. And that's when it, it really works. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they're more um, 
consistent across a few, and sometimes they're fully unique, depending on obviously the amount of that investment. But I really, I really like it to look, um, yeah, proportional. So it needs to be, you know, it needs to be uh, both sides need to be valued in 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 a really good partnership, and that's what it looks like uh, inside. And then outside, we see um, stories being told. We see announcements being made. We see a connection between the two that is visible. Uh, to their employees, maybe to their customers, maybe to the public at large. The audience might depend for, on the situation, but you know it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a secret if it's if it's a good partnership. It's really working. Of course, yeah. So you're kind of getting into this anyway, but I really want to dive further. Why do companies want to form partnerships with nonprofits? I mean, we kind of know, especially those of us in nonprofit, that why a nonprofit might want to form a partnership. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that maybe you could even talk to not every company is going to be a good fit for a nonprofit uh, in, no. in the first place. But what is it that a nonprofit can offer, is offering per se, in their uh, from their side of the partnership that will entice the business to work with them? Sure. Well, I think, you know, uh, following up on that alignment piece, what we are seeing out in the world is companies really wanting to um, solve social problems. Some of them want to have an impact on certain social problems. Some of them want to stand for something in particular. And uh, nonprofits provide them with knowledge in that space, provide them with expertise, authenticity, authenticity around making that happen. So that's the first thing. But there's also other benefits. We've talked about, um, or we, you know, we've seen in the world this you know, disconnect between employees and their employers because of more people working remotely and employee engagement opportunities and top opportunities for employees to volunteer with the nonprofit is a, a really outstanding benefit that nonprofits can offer to companies. Um, they can also help provide some content for marketing. Uh, so that could be stories that could be the impact that the company is helping them make in the world and sharing that with the public or with their employees. So there's different benefits. And part of you know a really good partnership is finding out the ones that the company values and that the employee that the nonprofit can execute effectively against and matching those together. Uh, but we do see them fall into these buckets most typically around employee engagement, some marketing and authenticity and impact. That you know, those are three buckets I would look at. Yeah, I really love the part about the employee engagement. You know, it's hard to see the news and, and not hear about the great resignation that's happening right now, right. where ever since the pandemic began, people are not excited to go, first of all, into the office, never mind that. <laughs> yeah. But people are being more selective. There's actually a labor shortage in a lot of areas because people are much more selective about what they want to be doing. And I know that with um, it's popularized with the millennial generation, but I think, you know, I'm a lot older than millennial and it still applies to me, obviously, because I'm doing this work. We want to have alignment with the work that we're doing. We don't just want to work for a paycheck anymore. Most of us that are privileged enough, I should say, to have these choices and opportunities. So when a corporation can not only say, hey, we also care about these things, but actually devote dollars and time towards that, that helps with the employee retention and, and appeal, I'm sure, too, right? Yeah, I agree. It absolutely does help with those things. And I mean, I think, you know, I really believe that, you know, a company just saying it's making a difference is, is you know, 
is insufficient, right? They need to prove it. And one of the ways they can do so is by giving their employees time, um, by providing incentives, by giving the space and opportunities for employees to engage in, in this cause that this company cares about. And uh, so, it, you know, it, it, if it's done well, it can be a real win-win because it can um, strengthen the tie between the company and the employee. And it can also um, make the, the purpose or the, the community investment priority of the company more real uh, for everybody. So that's great. And I think, you know, to your point around, um, you know, people aren't looking forward to going into work or, you know, we also find that we're connecting, you know, so much virtually around work. Uh, it's really nice to have something else to be connecting about. And so we do find nonprofits offering lunch and learns and training sessions and like virtual tours and all these sorts of things just give like a different cooler conversation for <laughs> people to have. And, you know, they need that. That helps with the connection for, for companies. So um, nonprofits have that to offer. Absolutely. And it, there's also on the other side of the millennial uh, stereotype, which is a positive one, they want to uh, be spending their money on organizations that they don't consider evil or that they consider aligned with their own morals and values. So I think in that sense, it's it's a marketing tool. Hopefully it's a genuine uh, endeavor by the organization, but it is a way to tell, to signal, virtue signal in, in yeah. the true sense, uh, what their priorities are, right? Yeah, for sure. It, you know, for those companies that have a consumer facing brand, I mean, there's so many other things that a nonprofit can do um, with them, you know, to, to demonstrate through sales and through um, how they interact with customers that they are connected to a nonprofit that does tend to sort of lie in the purview of, of more sophisticated um, nonprofits and you know, and it, you know, it's a great vehicle and it can be very lucrative and um, for both sides, if it's, if it's working well. So I know that in grants, uh, for example, when an organization, a nonprofit gets a grant, there is a certain amount of reporting to do and mm -hmm. a certain amount of perhaps even mileposts that they need to reach and, and metrics that they need to keep and report on. Is there anything like that with a corporate grant? What does a company want to see when they're forming a partnership? Uh, you know what, there's probably as many examples of what the company wants to see as there are arrangements. I, I would suggest that they do fall into a few categories. Within the context, there is corporate grants that are um, more heavily weighted on uh, metrics related to the impact on the, on the um, stakeholders, the beneficiaries of the organization. So some are designed that way and, and they are, well, not exactly the same as other granting, uh, there is more similarities. So uh, with a fairly clear guidance around what kind of reporting you need to do. Outside of those kinds of relationships, it does tend to be on a negotiated basis. I, there should always be some form of reporting. And I do actually recommend that fairly early on you find out what it is they are measuring, because sometimes they'll be measuring number of employees participating. Sometimes they're measuring the number of Facebook likes they got. Sometimes it's, you know, that you met the certain impact. So it's an important part of working out a successful partnership to, to know that piece of information uh, and to plan to report on it. Uh, I do 
generally like to recommend, however, which is different than um, most foundation grants, that the report back is as succinct as possible. So you're reporting on what you what what you have promised to report on, without a whole lot of extra, because generally it is being shared, and so making sure that you can share a fairly tight story of success is um, is perfect. <laughs> And making sure that the organization can share a fairly, the company, I should yes. say, yes. can share a fairly succinct uh, impact statement as well. Because um, it's one thing to say, yeah, we care about something. And it's another to say, look at the change that we helped create with our consumers, with our employees, yeah. right? I love that you bring that up because one of the one of my keys to success actually in, in corporate partnerships is that you can uh, boil the complexity of what you're doing with, with the funds down to a sentence. And that can be very difficult, especially if they're funding a very complex issue. And, you know, and when you're in the weeds of it to, to boil it down to and we're helping 100 kids, you know, exit poverty or something very simple like that, or, you know, serving 100 breakfasts can feel like you're oversimplifying very complicated social issues. However, you know, companies need to be able to communicate fairly succinctly in annual reports and other places what their money went to do. And so we do need to be able to do that. Some Somebody at the company is looking further into the detail to make sure it's authentic and real and all those things. And so there's somebody that you can provide more detail to, but you need to be prepared that there are a lot of people at the company that are only going to know that headline and that that headline is going to help you renew your money and, and get more. Uh, you, you made me think about uh, this concept where I've actually, with clients at times, asked them for a testimonial before we actually start the work. And mm -hmm. I promise not to use it unless they still believe in it afterwards. But for me, it's uh, trying to get an understanding of their expectation. What do they value? And what do they want to see at the end that's going to make them super happy? So mm -hmm. as you were talking, I thought, well, I wonder if you almost want to create a press release ahead of time. Like, what will the press release in right. six months look like if this is successful, right? I love that idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, because it is like that. Sometimes that's when you see, oh, that's what they wanted to say. Well, why did they just tell us? And yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's another argument, honestly, for long-term relationships, because there's only so much that a nonprofit and a, and the company, there's only so much information they can exchange the first go round, right? Like nobody has the time for everything to be, to be shared. And therefore, you know, if you commit to a relationship over time, then it, there's always incremental gains each time, whether you do the same thing each year or you, you change, you know, aspects of it, you know, you have time as two organizations to get to know each other, right. And, and improve on it. And, and that would be the kind of thing you'd be like, okay, we got the press release at the end of this year. Okay. Now what do we want to say next year it would be a really cool conversation. You're welcome to uh, steal that idea. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's in my notes. <laughs> that's all yours. You and Everybody listen to yeah, this episode. Everyone listening, yeah. So, okay. I feel like so far we've really uh, established why an, a business might want to be in a partnership with a nonprofit, what they're going to get out of it. And similarly, what nonprofits should be thinking about when they're looking into uh, partnerships. But let's break it down to if we haven't started any corporate sponsorships yet, or we're looking to grow our, our partnership program, what 
do we need to do? How do we even identify the businesses out there that might be a good fit for partnership with a nonprofit? Okay, well, so the first thing I wanna say is that if you haven't started before, be looking to only find a few companies to start with. So I find that often what happens is we think, okay, let's first get like an exhaustive list of every possible company. And then once we've done that and got research on all of them, then we'll go to the next step of having a conversation with some and we'll kind of go on. And I am really all about getting into the part where we're having the conversations, we're testing our ideas and we're getting to partnership with somebody so that we have something to build on. So I ask to start with, to try to find 10 companies that you think you should start with. Uh, and usually we start by looking at people who've given in the past, who are lapsed, um, companies that are in our geography. So that's that can be like a good place to look, you know, companies that are in geography, because then already you have one little piece of alignment. And then I call it dream storming. Usually when people work at an organization, they already have thought to themselves, this is a company for X, Y, Z reason I think should be giving to us, right? You know your organization, you know the organized companies that are likely to align. So we start with a list like that and we do, I recommend then doing a very specific kind of research. And it's not about all the research, it's about going to their social media, it's going to their website, going to a few places and really looking for um, the things that you need to know to show alignment between your organization and the company, right? What are they talking about around employees? What are they giving to already? What, you know, what's important to them right now? Are they, are they really focusing on a certain social issue? How do you speak to that social issue? So we're looking for those kinds of, of breadcrumbs in what they're talking about. Uh, and social media is amazing for this. So this is like 100% where you spend your time to figure that out. And then based on that, you move to outreach. And I build a little bit of internal knowledge around benefits and what we're going to give to them before, but it's not fancy. It's not polished. It's not all glossy. It really is more of a working document so that then we can start having conversations and learning what they value before going further. So as soon as you said social media and all things digital, I don't know if you saw my eyes light up and my grin come across my face, because yeah. obviously that's where I live and breathe most of the time. Um, what are some of the social media tools? I would think LinkedIn would be a, a big one for work like this. Where yeah, you, absolutely. Where do you tend to go? Yeah, LinkedIn and Twitter are the two places that we tend to go um, to look. Uh, and we start, you know, with that list and, and then go to those two channels for company, more company information. And of course, their website too. They tend to have, if they have media releases they're putting, sometimes that's a good place to, to look. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn for the people that are responsible for their community investment, for marketing, um, and sometimes sometimes even human resources. So we'll, we'll usually see that those are the places that there tends to be relevant information. Uh, yeah, and Twitter too. That's where companies tend to broadcast things they're proud of, right? So another place uh, to look. But now, do you approach them on LinkedIn or on Twitter? Where where do you initiate? Yeah. And then I want to get into how, but where yeah. do you initiate the conversation? To the degree it's possible, we initiate the conversation in email. Uh, so that that is the preference. If that's not possible, then LinkedIn can sometimes be a, a choice. If the person see, is very active in LinkedIn and you can tell that they're engaging there regularly, then that can be an option. 
But if they're using it mostly as a broadcast channel, then it's more appropriate to try to reach them at their work and, and you know, through email. That's my okay. recommendation. <laughs> Great. Um, do you ever just do cold calls as well or? Uh, you know, that's not my recommendation. Generally, I believe that, well, the email may be, may be cold, um, but we're going to try to create warmth around it by following them on these social channels and communicating with them and showing appreciation uh, before we reach out and then making sure the email is an aligned email that just very succinctly gets to the point about why they should call you back. Uh, if it doesn't, then sometimes, you know, putting in it that you're going to call to follow up is, is great. But I like to break the ice, especially now with people working remotely and um, in different things with an email to notify them and explain who I am before the first phone call. That's great. That's great. Okay. So we know where we're going to stalk them. Pardon the term. We know uh, what types of things that we're looking for on these uh, social media channels and where we're going to first initiate contact. What do we actually say when we're trying to okay. initiate contact? Because boy, those cover letters can be awkward. And uh, I've seen people, I've personally fumbled for what's the perfect intro to make in, in certain situations. How do you do it, Heather? What, right. What's the secret? Right. Well, I think the key, the most important key, I always say it, tell my clients, this email is so short that it is painful. That's how short it is, because it really is the least amount of information you can give them to get them to call you back. And I mean, for many of of the people we're reaching out to, this is not an important email. So they're likely reading it while they're walking on their phone, while they're in the elevator, right? So long with attachments is not going to work. It should be short. It has one sentence explaining who you are and where you're from, uh, why you're... The next one is the alignment. This cool thing that you found. Hey, I saw your employee engagement is really important to you. And I have a cool opportunity I'd like to talk to you about. Hey, I see that this is important and I want to talk to you about that. And then what your next step is. Can I have 15 minutes? I'm going to follow up with a phone call. That three sentences, that is it. And and if they don't answer that, they don't respond, then we can start thinking about what's the next version? What's the next next little bit of information that we try? Because they may not answer the first time. But that, you know, holding back a bit of information like, oh, I got, you know, we were in the news or this is a little bit more about what we're offering, that will give you a chance for a follow-up email. And we know that sometimes it can take a few tries to get a call back. So, you know, no point in like avalanche of information on the first go. So I, I really appreciate that. You don't want to overwhelm them so often when people are doing marketing, regardless of whether it's nonprofit or, or for-profit, they try to cram everything in there uh, possible. Look at all the reasons why you should this and this. And there's yeah. a lot of overwhelm versus telling a clean and concise story, something yeah. hopefully that teases uh, that there's more and that we'd love to talk and tell you more and that there's an opportunity there, right? That's it. And, and then when you, and then again, the next, like the more is a little bit more, right? Like what you know they don't need to know everything about your organization to to buy into this one thing so just I, I think that this feeling that in order to give the money or in order to create a partnership they have to know everything right away is is like a myth that trips people up like just think about enough to have another conversation enough to get to yes if they want more information honestly they will ask you you know do they want financials or hr structure or all the programs that you have available or all the events, 
they will ask you. I mean, you know, generally they're not shy people. So and frankly, they could Google you, right? Right. Like they can go to your website. You show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing I always say is that there is no such thing as a, a first impression. The second you've written an email, they have gone to your website. They may have already gone to your LinkedIn. So, you know, make sure that those things look corporate friendly. I call open for business before mm -hmm. you make the call because after it's it's too late you've already got okay now they don't like companies or i don't see a company anywhere in any of their stuff why are they calling um so absolutely and your website is a powerful tool in that regard so yeah. are your social media profiles do you yeah. advise organizations to have specific corporate sponsorship and partnership pages on their site uh well, there's different ways to show that you are open for corporate partnership. And so it depends on the organization, I'll say. But I do uh, very, very heavily recommend that there's some visibility of companies on your website and on your social. So how that looks, there's lots of different ways uh, that can work. But there definitely should be evidence that, that this is something you do, right? That you yeah. welcome companies to support you. Yeah. And if you already have had sponsorships, they should be on your homepage, they should be on your uh, sponsors page, they should be yeah. in several places as reinforcement for not only uh, potential new partnerships, but also just individuals who will say, oh, this company supports them. It gives you some sort of credibility, it's social proof, which is it, correct. Yeah. Absolutely, right? There's a lot, yeah, so that's for sure. That's super important that that shows up somewhere. So I don't wanna pull all your secret sauce out, but let me see if I can get just a little bit more from you, Heather. Once they have agreed to a call, what is it that you need to be prepared to deliver in that call? Because I'm assuming it's not going to be a four-hour call with the entire uh, executive board of the uh, business. What is it that you need to have prepared and what's your goal for that first call? Well, so what I say to have prepared is a brief description of what you know, uh, expanding on the hook that you put in the email. So expanding on the alignment. So the key benefit, you need to have a little bit more about that. And then you have to have a series of questions. So I have a series of questions that I always like look at and, and pick from, because by the end of that call, you should know what the proposal should look like or what more information you need to know in order to know what the proposal should look like. You should not come to that call with a proposal. You should have the primary idea and maybe even a secondary idea that you'd like to to tease them if the first thing like drops like a rock like you they're like no i'm not doing that then you're like oh well maybe there's this be prepared to pivot but in both cases it's like a paragraph description a few bullets it's not the detail because you're going to want to follow up with thoughtful detail based on the answers they give you to the questions after you talk for a little bit you, you, they'll make you say something because they, they generally won't just tell you the goods without knowing what you want to know. But if you tell them a little bit, then follow up with a few questions. That's really an ideal first call. Then the next step is more, right? More of a proposal, uh, a one-page summary, whatever the next step might be. Uh, but again, you're, you're um, building, right? You're building the relationship. You're building the partnership. You're building the benefit that makes sense to them. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that you think of it and advocate it as building a relationship. It's not an exchange. It is a partnership. And those really grow over time. You don't, I, I, 
I'm almost tired of saying this metaphor all the time, but you know, you don't ask someone to marry you on the first date or text them, will you marry me after they, you just both swiped right, whatever the new dating analogy might be. It takes time to build that trust, build that credibility with each other that you're both going to deliver on what you want and that it's a worthwhile investment for both of you in terms of time and funds, right? Exactly, exactly, yeah. So if organizations um, that are listening to this haven't started yet, haven't gone down the path of corporate sponsorships, corporate partnerships, and now they're looking to, or maybe they're looking to grow their program, what's the first, next first thing that they should be doing right now? Well, let me start with answering it for newer organizations. They really need to answer the question, why is a company going to give to me and for what? And that has to be from the company's point of view, not from the organ nonprofit's point of view. It's not, I want money to do this thing. It's this makes sense for a company because it helps them accomplish why. So the why and the what, they have to answer that. After that, all other things can follow. And if you're a more sophisticated organization, I would be pushing the limits on that. So they can tackle more complicated whys and what's in terms of, you know, uh, connecting audiences to their brand, that kind of thing. So it's the next level of that same question. You need to understand that what you have to offer in a corporate context before you can make a call. Absolutely. Whenever I'm working with a client and we're trying to, whether it's develop a website or some kind of campaign, we always start with the target avatar. And in that target avatar, the most important section is actually not even the demographics, it's the psychographics, which focuses in part on what are their morals and values? What are their concerns? And what are their pain points? And how do we solve it? So right. I feel like for a corporate partner, maybe you fill out the, the head of HR or the head of whatever department might be, but they are thinking on behalf of the company, what are their pain points and how can we solve those pain points for them, right? That's right, exactly, yeah. I love it. If, um, if they haven't, uh, so starting with a blank page for, mm -hmm. uh, for most things is pretty difficult. I know you have some resources and some templates. If yeah. nonprofits wanna get started and wanna kinda leapfrog those first awkward moments of sitting in front of their keyboard, what can they do? Yeah, so I have two things I can offer to help. First, if you go to bridgeraise.com slash getting started, um, there's a free download there that goes through the why and the what and some of the key questions to ask yourself in that and a few more things that you might want to do internally just to get ready before you start reaching out. So that's free. Um, you, you can download that. And then I also have a bundle at uh, bridgeraise.com slash time-saving templates. And it's a low price offer. And I basically have like the, the research brief is in there, an outline for, for an introductory proposal, um, some email samples for that three-line email. So I have a bunch of things in there that are designed to just get away from starting from scratch. Of course, every organization will modify them slightly to meet their own personal needs. You would but hope it so. really gets you past that, okay, how do I even structure this? Because I've tried it and these ones work. That's brilliant. And I'm sure it's a great resource for organizations. I know when marketing, we have what's called swipe files, where you literally take uh, example copy and images and videos, whatever it might be from successful campaigns, and you modify them. It, it, because if that works, and there's enough alignment, then chances are it'll work for you too, or at least it's mm -hmm. worth a test. In this case, 
Heather, you're clearly super knowledgeable on this subject. If someone wants to get started and, and wants to leapfrog that whole initial stage of research and try, trial and failure, I'm sure they're going to love the resources that you offer. Is there another tool um, that maybe isn't yours uh, or a resource that you recommend organizations that are looking to start or expand their uh, corporate sponsorship program check out? Absolutely. Like I honestly, I learn from other organizations all the time. Uh, one of my favorites is called Accelerist. Um, they do some great research. They have um, a technology-based corporate partnership database that helps find alignment uh, between your nonprofit and companies. It's a great tool. I highly recommend going to their website and, and taking a look at some of their resources. So that's, that's what I love and turn to often. I'm glad to hear that there is such a resource because I know for um, the foundations out there, there is the foundation database online by Candid um, yeah. and there's other uh, search tools out there, but I didn't know that there was actually one for corporate sponsorships. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's super great. <laughs> so Heather, we're going to have all these links uh, in our show notes, obviously, so that it's super easy for anyone to grab your tools or check out Accelerist. If people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way that they can do that? Uh, of course, you can reach me through my contact information on my website, but I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So um, I know you're sharing my link there. Follow me on LinkedIn. I drop videos in there, tools, other have conversations on articles that I think are relevant in this space. And I love being connected to more people there. So I welcome new friends over there. Awesome. As someone who has recently connected with you on LinkedIn, you share great content. So thank anybody you. who's interested in this stuff really should connect with you as well. Perfect. Heather, so thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned a lot. I love learning. It's one of my favorite things to do, that and teaching. So <laughs> I really appreciate your time today. And I'm sure everyone listening has enjoyed it as well. And if you have folks at home, could you please, please, please subscribe, leave us a review, Share this with others so that more people can discover great experts like Heather, learn more about the things that they can be doing, both online and with storytelling, to activate more heroes for their cause. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Hero Factory. Thank you all for watching and listening to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We hope this episode has given you some ideas and strategies for creating more heroes for your cause and a better world for all of us. Please be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And let us know what you think by leaving a review.